Let's Doing episode 106 with Ben Rubin of Change Collective. Welcome to the Less Doing podcast. Less Doing, more living, more living, more living, more living. Hi, I'm Ari Mizell, and this is the art of less doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast, episode 106. So in this podcast, I interviewed Ben Rubin of Change Collective. And we'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. But first, I want to talk about our sponsor. So for this episode, we are sponsored by Calton Nutrition. Now, I've had Mira and Jason Calton on the podcast before, and they have a number of products as well as a couple of books that I absolutely love. And one of their books is called Rich Food, Poor Food. And it's like your, they call it your GPS to the grocery store. And you can literally take this book to the grocery store with you. And it doesn't matter if you want to buy hot dogs or grass-fed butter. In the book, you go to that section and it will show you the ones that are good and the brands that are bad. And it'll tell you why too. Uh, Eggs, cheese, breads, anything that you want to get, it'll give you the best of the best and the worst of the worst. So you really know what to look for. And I I absolutely love it. They also have their own MCT oil, which is called Skinny Fat. They have their own protein powder, which is InPower. And they have the only multivitamin that I recommend people take, which is called Nutrients. So the Caltons have been very nice to give us some holiday giveaways. And if you go to lessdoinglive.com to sign up for a coaching call, or not even a coaching call, if you sign up for an info call to find out about the Less Doing Live event, which is going to be in May, then you will get a free gift from the Caltons, one of their products. And you'll also be entered to get a larger package, uh, product package from them as well. So go to Less Doing Live. And dot com and sign up for a call to find out more about the live event and you will get one of the Calton's great products. And thank you so much to them for sponsoring us. And we'll also, of course, have links to the Calton's in the show notes and a multivitamin quiz that they've created that lets you see how your current multivitamin stacks up with theirs. Okay, so change collective. Ben Rubin is someone I've known for a while and he created Change Collective. And it's basically a platform to help people instill habits that they want to instill uh, and change. So one of the courses that they had was how to get up earlier. And it's like a two-week course and it, it, there's accountability in there with text messages and, and a lot of really cool technology and an app and everything that helps you change to get up earlier. And one of the courses that they've actually put in there is from me and it's about how to get to inbox zero. And I believe that the power of email is huge. And if you can maintain inbox zero, then it spreads through a lot of other aspects of your life. So Change Collective is awesome. You'll hear a lot more about it in the interview, but I definitely recommend people check out Change Collective. So how are you doing today, Felix? Pretty good, man. How are you doing? Good. I forgot to even ask. Sorry. Mm. Uh, I'm doing good. We, we, we seem to have uh, overcome that uh, weird little stomach flu thing that happened in the house last week. And I know that it touched you guys as well. The really weird thing. I mean, for, for my wife and, and my older son, it was like two or three days of feeling really crappy. For me, it lasted about six hours. Um, and then your youngest got it. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I mean, it really wasn't it really. I mean, it wasn't so bad, but um, yeah, I'm really weird. to be pretty was- much done with it. So exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, we're all good now. So, uh, okay. The first link I want to talk about 
is there was a TED talk and I really love TED talks, but I don't actually mention them very much because uh, I don't know. They, they, I, I listen to them with some regularity, but they just, they don't stick out with me sometimes to, to talk about them on the podcast. But there was this one that I really did want to mention and it's really worth checking out. And there's no way I'm going to say this right, but the guy who gave the talk is named Ramanan Laxmanarian. Um, actually, that might have been okay. <laughs> anyway, it's all good. about... <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. So it's called The Coming Crisis in Antibiotics. And it's a little scary, but it's also not surprising if you know anything about this kind of stuff that uh, basically we just use antibiotics way too much in society. And there's a couple of problems. One is that people use them way too much. Doctors tend to prescribe antibiotics because people, or patients are looking for them now. And the other thing is that a lot of people end up feeling better when they take the antibiotics, but it has nothing to do with the antibiotics. It usually is just because it was a virus that they got better anyway, uh, but they associate with the antibiotics. And then the worst thing is when people stop taking a course of antibiotics halfway or three quarters of the way through and they don't finish because they feel better. And it's really, really, really dangerous. And yeah. it's, it's causing all sorts of superbugs to be created. And we're basically running out of antibiotics that work. So the thing is, you have to look at is when penicillin was created, that was the antibiotic you gave for everything, for everything from uh, gonorrhea to any other sort of bacterial infection. But now we have dozens of different classes of antibiotics and they're stronger and stronger and stronger. And there's ones, there's strains out there that are completely resistant to anything we have, which if you think about that, it is scary because we literally have no weapons then against these kinds of bacteria. and Honestly, the majority of that is due to overuse of antibiotics. So what you can do as a consumer is try to see if there might be an alternative to using an antibiotic when you really don't need one. And now if you do need one, take it. There's no question. I, in fact, my two, two of my sons have been on antibiotics in the last three months for uh, infections that they really did need them for. And of course, you can supplement with probiotics and you can sort of make up for some of the damage that's done by the antibiotics. But the truth is that antibiotic use has a probably irreversible change on your gut biome. And I was someone who had antibiotics a lot as a child with strep throat and all sorts of infections. And there's no question that I'm sure that that had some relation to my Crohn's disease. So be very, very careful about antibiotics use and only use it when you really need to. And when you do use it, make sure that you supplement with a good probiotic like a prescript assist for instance which we've talked about before on the show now so. I, have, I have a question about the antibiotics do um <clears throat> if you don't run the full course of antibiotics like you're supposed to does that open up yourself the person who's taking them to any further um susceptibility or you know weakness as a result of not taking the full course so it's a really good question, uh, and it's the answer is not very clear, actually. So on the one hand, the, the issue with not finishing antibiotics is that you're basically leaving the strongest ones. You know, it's the same thing when you see an antibiotic, I'm sorry, an antibacterial hand soap that says it kills 99.99% of the bacteria. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think that 0.01% is? That's the strong, strong bacteria that didn't get killed by it. It's not just the ones that like got lucky. There's stronger, stronger bacteria that then reproduce and make even stronger ones and they mutate and make stronger, stronger ones. So, oh, really? on the, yeah. So on the one hand, you're helping to harbor the strongest bacteria. On the one hand, you yourself may not be susceptible to it because since you had the antibiotic support, your body was also able to help fight that infection as well. 
So you may be okay, but you're putting others at risk. You're putting your family at risk and you're uh, quite honestly society at risk. So uh, it, it, it's not really a clear cut answer. Like you're putting yourself at more risk, but it, it, what goes around comes around. So if you're making that one that's really, really strong and it's sort of at the upper limit of what your immune system can handle and then somebody else gets sick and then that gets even stronger, then you're going to be in trouble. I see. Yeah. So I recommend people uh, watch this TED talk. It's a, a, one of the shorter ones. It's only 14 minutes and it's, it's from Ted med this year. So check out the coming crisis and antibiotics and there is something you can do about it. So then what, what sort of time frame are they, are they giving in it? I mean, I'll, I'll be interested to watch it, but we're kind of there. I mean, you know, really? that's that honestly, like there, uh, what's it? MRSA is, is our, you know, we is uh, methicillin resistant staphylococcal aurea. So it's basically, uh, it's antibiotic resistant staph. Like that's the name of it now. Okay, so we already have these things that are out there and, and vancomycin, which is, pretty much the strongest antibiotic there is. There's already, there's, I, I think it's staff also that is actually becoming resistant to that as well. So we're there, we're there right now. There are things that we cannot treat with antibiotics right now. Oh, That's wow. not to say that they can't be treated period. There are all sorts of other possible, maybe alternative remedies or complementary remedies, but we are there right now. We're on the brink. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, Anyway, on that note, I feel like we always have to have like one really serious topic now in each, in each podcast. Yes, right. Yes. Yes, it's uh, going to be the uh, medical ethics podcast or something. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there is a product called Banza or Banza. Uh, actually, no, let me see. Probably Banza uh, for garbanzo beans, I'm guessing. But it's high protein pasta made from chickpeas. Hey, really? So anybody... Yeah. So now I am, I'm going to shock people here, but I, I, I like pasta. Okay. And I have regular pasta that is made with flour uh, every now and then. I don't have it a lot, honestly. Like it's probably like a once a month thing where I get kind of a craving. And I'm one of those people who believes that if you have things with sort of moderation, it's, it's really okay. Uh, but these are made with chickpeas and you can get pasta made with all sorts of stuff. Now there's rice pasta, there's um, spinach pasta. You can make pasta from vegetables, but this is interesting. It's pasta made from chickpeas. And, you know, for those, if you're not making the connection, chickpeas are what you make hummus out of. So it's delicious. It's high protein. There's 13 grams of protein in each serving, a lot of fiber. And they still come in the shapes of the various pastas. They have penne and they have rotini. And and anybody who is a pasta lover knows that different shaped pastas seem to taste different for some reason. You know, have you noticed that? Um, Don't tell me no. (laughs) They taste different in terms of... um I'm not really. Like, I no. feel like they hold the sauce differently. Like I feel like. You oh know, yeah, like sure, the, sure. Yes. So like I feel like penne. You know, it's the same material, but penne tastes very different than rotini to me when it has like a certain sauce on it. Yeah, sure. Maybe that. Maybe that's just me. Uh, I, so anyway, this is a cool alternative if you are gluten free or you're paleo. This mm-hmm. actually would work uh, as as an option for pasta, which I think is pretty cool. So uh, it's, it's called gluten free. Oh, oh yeah, no, it's definitely gluten free. I'm going to try this. Yeah, I, oh, I, 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 uh, to, I think uh, this would be great for the kids. Well, yeah, that's my first, first thought. Yeah. So it wow. has, it's also low carb. No, it's not low carb, but it's wow. lower carb than pasta. It's about half the carbs of pasta, a lot more fiber. And if you're and, in the uh, United States, it's um, $30 for six boxes and free shipping on every order. That's pretty awesome. That is. That's actually really reasonable. Yeah. And it's actually, and I didn't, I didn't realize this, but it's low glycemic. So chickpeas help keep blood sugar levels stable, which I actually was not aware of. So that's pretty cool yeah. because that is one of the other issues with 
with pasta for some people. I have a brownie so, recipe that I make with um, with chickpea flour. Actually, just chickpeas oh, really? that, are, that you put in the blender, and yeah. Yeah, they're, they're not bad. I mean, it's, a, it's not a, like a gooey... I mean, it's a very healthy brownie, but um, certainly chocolatey. Hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, so there is a plugin for Gmail called Dear Inbox, and it's perfect for the holidays now. This is like the timing of this is really great. Basically, what you can do is you can turn your email, you can turn an email into a printed handwritten card for the holidays. Oh, great. Which I think it's really cool. So Good basically, color. yeah, so what you, you write the email just as you would, and then this is a plug-in. You choose the card. You choose oh, the handwriting. Oh, that's brilliant. Isn't that neat? <laughs> Uh, so this is really great timing, honestly, for, for the holidays. Oh, if you want and to they will mail it. it. No, no, this is physical. This is a physical card that goes in the mail. <laughs> That's fantastic. Wow, it's beautiful. Yeah. So there's a couple of things I like about this. One, obviously, it's it's nice because it's you don't have to deal with the cards or the stamps or anything. But the fact that it's a plugin for email and not a different site means that it really actually works quite well with your workflow. Whatever wow, you're doing, I'm, if you want to just be like, I'm installing this right now. Yeah, I, I, I think this is a really, really kind of uh, awesome thing because wow. whether you want to send a card to family or, you know, you're writing to a client to thank them for something they just did and like, you know what, I'm going to send them a card. It's great. I think it's really great. It's genius. So, uh, dear inbox, love that. Yeah. Now, there was an article over at Subversity, which is one of my, my I love this website, as I've mentioned it many, many times, but Subversity, and it's called No Time, No Excuse. Three minutes of exercise per week suffice to increase one's skeletal muscle oxidative capacity and improve metabolic health. Now, we have talked about the Tabata many times before, and Felix and I have done many Tabatas before, uh, which is a four-minute workout, and it, it's a good workout. This is a study that did one with a three-minute workout, and basically they did it with cyclists. So it was three times 20 seconds of all-out cycling effort. Over the course of three minutes, they, they did this uh, interval. Basically, there was a two-minute warm-up, a three-minute uh, cool-down, and then basically there was this three minutes of hard workout. So, so a sprint, it, basically, for three minutes. Yes, 100% exactly. effort. Right, of course, because okay. that's all, all, with high-intensity interval training, the intensity is the key word there. You have to get intensity. Yeah. So they didn't look at any dietary interventions or anything, but basically they did show that there was... Uh, a, a pretty good result from this in terms of the uh, skeletal muscle oxidative capacity and then they, improving their metabolic health. So if you've got no time, just make it three minutes of really, really hard all-out exercise. <laughs> so you're going to maintain something there. Now, again, realistically, yes, I think something, anything is better than nothing when it comes to exercise. There's no question. But this is not going to be enough. Yes, it will make a difference. How big of a difference really depends on the person, depends on what you're eating. And the worst thing would be the person who does their three minutes of working out and then goes and like gorges on a cheeseburger. So take this with a very, very big grain of salt and realize that this might be a really good place to start. And what I like about things like this particularly is if you have that person who's like, oh, I have a really stressful day. I don't have any time. It's like, do you have five minutes? You can work out and you can feel like you've actually done something effective and worthwhile. So that's what it's yeah, good for. Yeah, but then you want to shower afterwards. Let's not forget about all of that. 
<laughs> it's true. What... I mean, you've got to find the five minutes at the right point of the day. You know, I'm, I'm all I about guess so. it depends. I guess it depends where so, you're working out if you're working. So do, we could do that like on the rowing machine for three minutes, you think? Would that be good? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I, yes, you could. The, the, difference, the different thing with cycling Mm-hmm. Is that when you're using your legs as the primary muscles in the, in the workout, you really are working the largest muscles in your body and have the most potential for burning the most calories and uh, okay. getting the biggest hormonal response. So, uh, but you are using your legs in the rower. So, I mean, I think the rower is a wonderful all full body workout, and you definitely can do it pretty quickly. But again, just do it. You take an extra minute, the fourth minute, and yeah, you can do right. a tabata, you know, and yeah, sure. and really call it a day. Yeah. Wow. So, anyway. Uh, there is a new nootropic that I found this week, uh, called Nutru. It's from Nutru.com and it's interesting. This is, this is like very matrix style I find. So it's, yeah, there's this, two this, pills. This, this looks a little too golden. <laughs> it, 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 In so terms yes, of its, pack, its packaging is suspicious. Well, r- right. Okay. And I agree. And there's... It, with nootropics particular, I feel like they have to be careful of going between that, like the edge of being scientific and being way too campy. Yeah. Um, now this one is, in my opinion, a little too campy, like a little bit too superpower brain floating in the air. But the ingredients are sound. What I don't get and what I don't know about enough about, but, I'm, but what I'm curious about this is that so they have two pills and you alternate the pills between days. Okay. So this is something I have not seen before. Uh, and there's a lot of nootropics and a lot of substances that affect your brain even the unfair advantage from bulletproof which is uh the uh, pqq uh, uh, molecule you you technically shouldn't use that every single day it's of all the ones out there like it's not going to cause major problems but you can develop sort of a not a dependence but a uh, a sense um uh you can desensitize to it so you do want to cycle these things in general but, uh, so basically you have a silver pill and a gold pill. And this was the thing that kind of caught me was that the gold pill actually has 23 and a half carat gold flakes in it, which is what makes it gold. And the silver one contains hundred percent pure silver flakes. So it's one thing to not have artificial dyes, but they're actually using gold and silver to, <laughs> to, to color these. So, okay, that's fine. Uh, so the gold one has new new pept in it or nuopept, which is uh, which is a very very well studied nootropic and and definitely has helpful effects. And then the other one is phenylparacetam, which uh, it's obviously one of the paracetam family. And there's like five paracetams: aniracetam, racetam, phenylracetam, and regular paracetam. And they all have sort of different effects. So I'm not exactly sure why they chose this one, unless it has a particular sort of codependence on nuopept. But uh, anyway, they, they both have CDP choline in them, which is choline is the thing that you get from Alpha Brain. You get it from Choline Force on Bulletproof. It's sort of that neurotransmitter that makes people more focused. And it's the one that I particularly care about for me when I'm looking at nootropics. It also has L-theanine in it, which is what you find in green tea. And it actually gives you that sort of calm energy, basically, or focused energy. It has some caffeine in it in both of them. But then basically you're alternating days between Nuopept and phenylprestam. So I've never seen this approach and I think it's really interesting. So I'm actually, I'm going to try it out and we'll report back. But if anybody else has seen this uh, kind of sort of back and forth between Nuopept and phenylprestam or any of the paracetams and, and uh, another one that really has an effect on uh, 
brain-derived neurotropic factor, then I'd love to hear it. So, And I'm sorry if that got a little too technical for people, but I'm really curious about this one. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this is a weird one, but I had to share it. It's a Kickstarter campaign, Gmail for Mac. Did you see this? I did see this, and it just it looks a little... <clears throat> I, I can't see what the point is, except uh, I have. I don't get. I one. don't see the point. I can see that it maybe it would be good for some people if, like you know, they just like to have an app. And I mean, it, it just looks exactly the same as the as the browser. It just looks like a browser, you know, put into a, an app. Um, yeah. So I don't really get it. Yeah. So basically, this is the first true desktop email client for Gmail, and it's a Kickstarter campaign that's already successfully been funded. Uh, it's got about a week to go. And it's, uh, I think it's $9 basically, to, or it's $5 to get a copy for the Mac. I obviously I love Gmail, um, but I don't, I, I'm kind of amazed actually that there's sort of the market for this. So, uh, but if you're interested, check it out. Some people just don't like working in the browser environment. Yeah. So if you really want to yeah, have desktop experience, yeah. then this would be a good example. But I feel like the browser version of Gmail is so good now and so full featured that almost why would you bother? But yeah. some people don't want that. And and I guess also, you know, you can do Gmail offline in Chrome, but some people might want to have a truly like offline version, maybe through in the plane or something. And this would be a good alternative for that as well. It could be. Yeah, exactly. So interesting, uh, interesting Kickstarter campaign for, for this week. Uh, and then the last thing I want to talk about today is there is an article in time magazine which they took from eric barker who as you know is my favorite the barking up the wrong tree guy mm -hmm. i love him uh so this is basically it's psychology tricks to help uh get in shape and i won't go through all of them because we have a, a link to it of course in the show notes but uh one of them that i thought was uh was kind of cool was about uh eating it was uh eating extremes and but this is not about eating in extremes. It was basically that what made people full was their eyes, not their stomachs. Even the bowl didn't look. Even if the bowl didn't look empty, they kept eating. I'm sorry. If if the bowl didn't look empty, they kept eating. So one of yeah. the things that you can do is have a smaller bowl or a smaller plate. That you and know that, that really does. makes a huge difference. Anyone who's on a diet, and the first thing I say is. Get a smaller bowl. And when you're serving yourself ice cream or something heavy, um, I mean, well, heavy, but, you know, something caloric, um, use a really small bowl and you'll be surprised how, much, how little you need. I, I'm, I'm I mean, amazed it, by it, the it's effect. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so the other thing about that is that uh, people feel bad. Pe people basically feel bad about going back for seconds. You know, it's like they, they make that like that distinction in their mind. It's like, well, I had one ball. That's like, true. That is true. You know, yeah. so sometimes they can't stop themselves from filling up a big bowl, but they can stop themselves from going back for seconds. Mm. Which yeah. incidentally, incidentally is how the, um, the supersize popcorn and Cokes and sodas and everything was sort of created because at movie theaters, they were trying to figure out how they could sell more concessions and they didn't think people would come out in the middle of the movie to get another popcorn or, or even at the break, like people wouldn't go that step and buy it, but they will buy the jumbo jumbo popcorn, mm. you know, and wow. even if they don't finish it. So yeah, you, you can just sort of trick yourself and take a smaller plate. So if you've got a whole big set of dinner plates 
and you have your sort of smaller plates, then if you if you think that you might be at risk of having a meal that might be too much or too rich, or you just want to restrict some calories a little bit, just take that smaller plate. And it actually does work. Even if you know about the trick, it still works. Yeah, totally. Totally. So try it. Uh, and then I just want to make one last sort of mention about the the, the live event. I, I mentioned it a couple of times and I'm going to warn everybody, we're going to be talking about it a sort of a, a bunch now coming up as we get more of the details, but we're almost settled on a location. It's still, it's May 1st through 3rd in New York city. This event is going to be so, so cool. I'm so excited. We're going to have some amazing workshops. A bunch of the mastermind folks that I, I coach are going to be there doing workshops. I'm also about to basically launch a coaching certification. So I will have less doing certified coaches there to help people work on problems in real time specific to them. It's going to be uh, really, really cool. So you can find out more if you go to lessdoinglive.com and you can sign up for a call to find out if you are right for it and if it's right for you. And we hope to see you there. Absolutely. I will be there, right? Yes, you, <laughs> yes we will. We'll be live podcasting from the, uh, from the event. Awesome. So, uh, all right. Well, thanks everybody. And thank you, Felix. And we'll see you on the next episode. Awesome. See you the next time. Now I'm speaking with Ben Rubin, who is co-founder of Change Collective. So Ben, hi, how are you? Doing well, Ari. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. So uh, first of all, tell everybody what Change Collective is. Sure. So Change Collective is a startup that helps folks really connect the dots between how to make change in your life and using technology to do it appropriately. So it's uh, solving a problem that we had for ourselves, which is we picked up these great books on everything from fitness to productivity, and then found ourselves inspired but really unable to make change happen. So we're using mobile technology and behavior change science, things like reminders, tracking, social accountability, to tie in with the content so that you're actually practicing while you're learning and you're more effective at making change. Okay, uh, that's, a, that's a very good elevator pitch, I have to say. You, you, you got that nailed. <laughs> Been working on it. That's, as, as an entrepreneur, what you do. Right, of course. So what, what kind of got, I mean, so I, you know, we've, we've had conversations for a long time, and like, what, what sort of got you on this path and interested in this and you know, behavior change and everything? Yeah, so um, I actually I started my first company uh, right out of college, and I, would, I guess I would say I was unoptimized. Um, to, to sort of use one of your words, um, you know, I was your standard college student. I was sleep deprived. I was not eating well. I didn't, you know, when I tried to exercise, it sort of, you know, kept it up for a couple of weeks and then stopped. And, you know, no surprise, my performance was pretty terrible. Um, and, you know, along with that, things like happiness and, um, you know, just being able to move forward in life in a really nice way were hard for me. Uh, and over really the first three to four years of starting a business, I was forced to make improvements. Um, and that started with sleep. My last startup was a company that was focused on sleep. So simply getting eight to eight and a half hours of sleep and really optimizing sleep quality was a huge first step. But then I went on to look at my nutrition, look at my exercise, look at meditation and spirituality, look at productivity. And each of these changes made a big impact in my life. But it took me eight, 
10 years to really start to hit my stride. And ultimately, it just shouldn't have to be that hard for people, right? There are better ways to use technology and use behavior change science than just sort of banging your head against books until something finally sticks. Right. So what, like, what kinds of behaviors are you looking to change with Change Collective? So it, it really is broad, and we, we break it up into really three different domains, which personally have been meaningful to me. The first is health and wellness. So, you know, your standard set of behaviors around fitness, nutrition, but then things like sleep, stress, allergies, anything to do with sort of that body system. Uh, the next is sort of a topic area around personal development. So thinking about essentially the mind, things like confidence, meditation, um, relationships, how do you relate to people in the world? And then the third set of behaviors is around professional development. So uh, things like what you talk about all the time in terms of productivity, uh, professional networking, looking at negotiation, right? All of the behaviors that we carry in our professional world that end up making a big difference uh, in how successful we are at our jobs. Right. Okay. So like for you, for instance, like what's a behavior that you've tried to change personally that you yeah, so I'll, I'll mention one that I continue to work on and, and struggle with, which is um, essentially emotional self-regulation and using meditation to help with that. I um, sort of have heard, I'd heard for maybe five or 10 years in my life that I should try meditation, right? That would be something that would be interesting. There are all these benefits. Um, when I finally gave it a try, um, being consistent about it ended up being the challenge. Um, but the benefits to meditation, as I'm sure you know, and, and your readers have been exposed to, are substantial. So, you know, how, how to engage in that in a way that uh, is regular and delivers benefits over the long term has been a challenge for me. So how does it, like, let's talk about the actual platform. Like, how does the system work? Sure. Yeah, so it's a mobile app, iOS for now, that works on a course basis. So each course um, is between one and three weeks long and features content from a world-class expert. So we find sort of the best person in either a specific diet or a productivity technique or meditation. And we work with that expert to create great content. So videos, uh, articles, podcasts, and we package that as a course that is sort of one to three weeks long on your mobile device. Now, so I've mentioned nothing sort of unique about behavior change yet, um, but it all starts with the content of the expert uh, because we believe that those folks are highly motivational, they know their shit, and when you read a book or you watch a video by someone who really is talented and you connect with, that gives you the motivation to make change. Where this platform really starts to shine is that we've dot dove into really deep behavior change science and we pulled the right technique at the right time to actually help you change. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, we have people uh, read and sign a commitment contract on the first day of the course that asks them and essentially says, I'm committing to being consistent about this. I'm committing to being soft on myself if I make a mistake and getting back on it. Um, we ask people to add a supporter, so someone who is in their network, who cares about them, that could be a wife, a coworker, a friend, um, someone who will be kept in the loop and keep you accountable to your goals, so that over a three-week course, instead of giving up on week one, you'll sort of feel that, that voice of uh, fear when, when, oh no, you know, if I give up on this and so-and-so hears about it, they're gonna give me shit, I better actually stick to my goals. Uh, and then during the course, we give you timely reminders using text messages to 
uh, bring you sort of back to the practice, whatever the practice is for a specific course. And then we check on that every day and track your responses. So we'll know whether you're on a five-day streak or if you've missed two days, and we can start to tailor some of the content and some of the messaging to really optimize for completion of the course and practice. Uh, so ultimately, the, the goal is instead of just picking up a book and saying, this looks awesome, I'm going to go try it, and then maybe you do, maybe you don't, if you take a course to Change Collective, you're actually going to practice and it's much more likely to have a meaningful impact in your life. And uh, and so, like, what kinds of things? Like, so we have Inbox Zero, which obviously is on on the provider for you. We've got uh, the getting up earlier, right? Starting the day earlier. Mm-hmm. What? Yes. Yeah, so, you go ahead. Yeah. So we have uh, five courses that were are on the platform today, and it's you know it's really early days for Change Collective, so we're just getting the first version out, starting to learn what really works well on the platform. So uh, your course, which I'd love to talk more about a little later on Inbox Zero, uh, a course on getting up early uh, with uh, J.B. Glossinger, who has an early morning podcast and believes that one of the key habits in life is getting up early, sort of ahead of your peers and and getting key tasks done. Uh, We did a work-life harmony course with Brad Feld, who's a VC, who spent the last 20 years of his life really trying to harmonize his work in his life. He found that early in his career, the balance was really off. And so he switched the mindset from away from balance towards harmony and has a bunch of great techniques for you to practice to harmonize work and life. Uh, We have a free course actually that's a short course on mindfulness um, and it uses a technique um, from an Australian uh, psychotherapist that's called Four Breaths. So it's a simple technique that you can use at any minute in your day to take 20 seconds to sort of move into the present moment, feel your body calm down. Um, so that's a great short course. And then the last course is with a company called Greatest, which does a bunch of health and wellness related content. And we built a three week bodyweight workout course um, that gets you moving five days a week using sort of at home exercises like push ups, sit ups, jumping jacks, uh, sort of that style of workout. That's great, and I and I love greatest, and I, I think that that's a that's a really good one too to, to have in there. Um, and, and then, like, what do you, what are some of the ones you have in mind in the future? Yeah, so we have a really powerful meditation course coming up, um, which I can't disclose the author quite yet, but it's um, one of the most powerful meditation teachers that um, I think in the world, um, and that's a more sort of formal. Uh, course on how do you do seated meditation and we're going to start small and, and work people up over time so they have a regular practice. Um, we also are working with Chris Kresser who uh, wrote the personal paleo code and is one of my personal favorites in nutrition and we're actually building a course with him on moving like your ancestors. So taking the principles of how did our ancestors move uh, and translating that to how do we move, right? And so what that looks like is practices like, of course, walking more, but also how do you stand more every day and how do you build the behavior of sort of bringing movement into your everyday life uh, in a much more ancestrally-based way. So uh, those are some of the ones that are sort of in production now, uh, but we have ambitions to build courses on you know topics as diverse as you know relationships, and that could be maintaining a great relationship with a wife. It could be dating, um, looking at things like confidence and um, other sort of mentally related uh, changes. That's really interesting to us as well. So there's there's really no there's no limit to the number of great topics that we can use on the platform. Sure. Now and now of course this has to depend on the the person, but what. 
other techniques for uh, sort of staying on the path that you find to be the most effective in general? And, and I mean, obviously you've included many of them, but obviously there's, there's the social accountability, there's the streak aspect. I can tell you that for me personally, yeah. the, the streak aspect of doing things is very helpful for me. Yeah, so here's the, the interesting thing that we've learned. Um, there are generalities, but it really is different for every person and for every situation. And um, so what we're ultimately trying to do is if you think of a specific person in a specific situation, so say it's Ari and he's trying a new behavior uh, around health and he's five days in and he's on a streak, right? that is potentially very different than Joanne and she's seven days into trying to get up early, but she's just missed the last three days. And you know your psychographic is different, your goal is different, where you are in the course is different. And so what a great coach would do is they would look at all of that information. They'd look at the person, where they've been, what they're trying to accomplish, where they are today, and they'd make that exact right recommendation if they try to, right? And for you, it would be, hey, Ari, you don't wanna lose that streak, do you? Right, like maybe there's a competitive aspect to it that we bring into it. Um, whereas for someone else, it might be, you know, you should go a little soft on yourself, right? That was a, you just had a tough weekend, you know, where getting up early wasn't a priority for you, you know, but tomorrow is a new day, you know, give it a try. And so tailoring the intervention and the message to the right person at the right time, that ultimately is the technology that we're looking to build. Um, and we're getting really excited about how that all is going to come together. Okay, so that uh, yeah, I mean that that's really fascinating. I mean, to to sort of see what motivates people, and even within that streak aspect, I wasn't thinking about this. The sort of two sides of that, uh, like for me, for instance, I I use a service called I Done This, which mm -hmm. is a journaling, basically a journaling application at the end of the day. But I, I think I'm on like a 500 day streak at this point, which is pretty cool and for me like the stakes are pretty high if i were to stop yeah you know so that's something that i'm not going to do um working out is also one of those ones that's really great for me like if i if i work out three days in a row like i'm feeling amazing and i, and I can really stick to that so but you said something there about you know maybe you should go softer yourself for something some days I, I find that that's when motivating other people that's a really hard balance to strike between going too soft and going too hard on people yeah, yeah, and so I'll, I'll talk about my personal challenges there. Um, I have this immense drive to succeed, and I can be pretty laser focused on whatever my goal is. Um, what I found happening for a couple of years of my life is that I would make my lists and I would check off my items, and after three weeks, six weeks, three months, I would be perfectly compliant or close to it, and then I would literally just explode. Right, like I would miss one workout, or I would, you know, have a you know a night out where I was drinking and wake up the next day and not feel great. And then essentially I said, screw it, and everything went down the toilet. And it went down the toilet potentially for a day or two, potentially for weeks or months. And so what helped me sort of get out of that spiral where I'd be perfectly compliant and then perfectly not compliant is sort of helping myself be softer on myself and managing that balance and saying, hey, Ben, you know, it might be okay if you didn't hit a workout today, you know, instead of, uh, you know, self-loathing and anger, you know, be soft on yourself and pick it up again tomorrow or the next day when it, when it feels appropriate. Um, 
but that balance is different for every person. And and you're right. If you're too soft on on some folks, um, nothing will get done. Right. I, so I mean, how how are you able to sort of individualize that? So, uh, well, I'll first talk from personal experience. Um, naming naming them for me helped. I call my like driven productivity crazy side the captain. It's the captain <laughs> who's ordering me around. Um, and I call the that emotional reaction when I say screw it the claw. And so I actually find that I need to give both expression. And you know, of course, I'd love the captain to be directing my activities more of the time, most of the time. But in order for that to happen, I need to let the claw have expression, and that could be in setting up a cheat night a week for, you know, if it's a nutrition goal, it could be. Um, I've almost never succeeded with the sort of activities that you're talking about, like 500 days in a row of blank. I always give myself like an out. So it's, oh, I'm going to meditate 20 minutes a morning, but I'm going to do that six out of seven days. So I always have that one day where I can uh, not do the thing that the captain wants me to do, and that gives the claw some room to breathe. Um, and I also set up time periods, and they could be you know, a single morning. It could be three or four days on a longer vacation where I just allow myself to do what I want to do. Um, in a way that gives the claw a little bit of breathing room and um, essentially then lets the captain say, okay, cool, we feel free. We feel like we um, you know, aren't being overly constrictive, but we still want to get these things accomplished. Let's get started on those. Um, you know, as for how to generalize that, um, you know, we're still working on it. I think there's you know, some aspect of that can be just asking probing questions, right? So what a great coach would do is they would dig into someone's psychology a bit, like, oh, Ari, it seems like you can hold a streak for 500 days. You know, do you find that motivational? Yes, I do, or no, I don't. Um, and learning you know, sort of what someone's tolerance is for um, being compliant to something versus you know, when do they hit that barrier where they say, screw it and do whatever they want. Right. Yeah, sure. So now a lot of the courses are two to three weeks, as you mentioned. Do you, do you think that's how long it takes to change a habit? No, uh, it's, you know, there's, you know, the old myth around 21 days. Um, and, you know, of course, there's some habits that take 21 days for some people. But the reality is it usually takes longer. Um, and sort of the, you know, for each person it's different and for each change it's different. Um, the reason that we've taken courses and broken them down into one to three week chunks is that that's how long the average person can commit to something without it feeling overwhelming. Uh-huh. And so, you know, if I said, Hey, Ari, you want to make a new change? You know, you want to try this new behavior. Um, let's do it for the next 575 days. You'd say, Whoa, whoa, whoa hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite ready to commit to that. And even something like, uh, you know, four weeks or four months, uh, those are hard commitments to make. Whereas we find that giving someone a week or two weeks or three weeks, people say, I can commit to trying that, right? I can commit to doing my best during the course to practice these behaviors. And if I like it, I'll stick with it, right? And I'll find ways to make it part of my life. If I don't like it, no big deal, right? It was only one week or two weeks um, that I had to practice this. And I learned something about myself during the, during the time period. So it's more about what someone can commit to and tolerate in terms of um, committing to making a new change than it is how long does it take to create that habit. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because I, I mean, so I've heard things is you know, 21 days to 66 days. Like there's all sorts of different thoughts there about how long it takes, but 
that always seemed kind of weird to me that you, you, you just pick a number and it, that's like the 10,000 hour rule to me, which doesn't that's right. Play out. It, it, right. It's, it's 10,000 with a variability from 500 to, you know, 200,000. Right? Yes, exactly. It's, <laughs> exactly. it's not particularly meaningful for a specific individual learning a specific skill to quote that number. It may be true globally. It probably isn't, but uh, say it's the same with habits, right? Someone, there are people I know who can commit to making a change and that's all they need to do. They will then make a change and it'll last for years. And there's other people who need uh, months and months and years of practice on a specific behavior in order to make a change. And it's just really individual. Sure, sure. So now let's talk about Inbox Zero uh, from a habit point of view, not in terms of like promoting the course that I've done or anything, but it really as far as a habit, because to me, Inbox achieving Inbox Zero and maintaining it is actually a keystone habit as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, personally, being at or near Inbox Zero helps me feel less stress in my life. And that's the biggest, uh, it's one of the biggest changes. I made this change six or seven years ago and I need to revisit it almost every year and sort of bring the practice back. But to me, it's the difference between knowing that there's a bunch of stuff in my life that I have to do that is hanging over my head and knowing there's a bunch of stuff I need to do but that I have it under control. And that's the, the mental difference between uh, I've got this and I know what is coming up and I know how to prioritize it and I know things will come to me at the right point versus I don't got this. And you know there could be something really important in my inbox that I'm missing that's gonna come back and bite me later. So creating that habit in my life, that was why I did it. That's why it was important to me. Right, okay. So do you, what sort of changes have you seen that you could correlate to that? And I'm sort of leading you here, but I'll add into it too. I just yeah, wanna hear your it. thoughts. So uh, what, what other changes do you think have come from, from having achieved Inbox Zero for you? So there's a, a bit of a clarity of thought where I don't have to continuously revisit in my mind the things that are stuck in my inbox that I need to do. I used to literally remind myself of emails that were in my inbox for weeks. Like, oh, I got to get back to so-and-so. Oh, I got to get back to so-and-so. Oh, I got to rem remember to get back to so-and-so. And those little mental loops when I'm at inbox zero and I know where things stand, those go away and they allow me to think about whatever the task is at hand instead of having to constantly remind myself. So that to me has been probably the largest benefit. Um, the other benefit is just getting back to people in a timely way, right? They're, that the responsiveness that comes with processing your inbox efficiently leads to better coworker relationships, um, you know, better relationships with you know, vendors and other external people to the company because they don't wait for, you know, two weeks to hear a reply because you are at the bottom of a long list. They get it immediately and they know where they stand. Right. What about you? What about for you? Well, uh, so for me, I see it as like a keystone habit because honestly, like I'll see people who have all sorts of stuff going on in their lives, all sorts of overwhelm and just things are not going well necessarily. And if they can get their inboxes under control, one, it gives them that sense of control in sort of an overwhelming world, which is really nice. But it also allows them to take advantage of what I believe to be the greatest uh, productivity tool that exists because a lot of people have a really adversarial relationship with their inboxes. And mm. to me, it's the only technology that allows you to have thousands of conversations with people all around the world, like all at the same time, remember it because you can search for anything. And it's just, it's incredible. Yeah. So 
I really, really try to push people, whatever they've got going on in their lives, to get their inbox under control. And some people look at that as it's kind of a trivial thing, but once they start to do it, it really, really takes off. Yeah, and I I think that idea of a keystone habit is really important for uh, people to think about. And there are some common keystone habits that I think will be important for everyone. But again, it's really individual. I think inbox zero is one of those key productivity habits that if you get it down a lot of the rest fall into place, right? In health and fitness, it could be getting a daily workout in, right? In, uh, you know, lifestyle management, getting up early at a consistent time might be a keystone habit. But sort of thinking about, for me, what are those keystone habits that um, when I have them, everything else starts to fall into place? And then focusing your efforts on those keystone habits rather than the 20 downstream implications can be a really nice way to be efficient and effective about what to put your effort on. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, we're we're coming up to the end here. And one of the questions, well, the, the, the question that I always ask at the end of the interviews is what are your top three personal tips for being more effective? And, you know, you can interpret it how you want and you can pull from any kind of knowledge that you have. But what are your top three pieces of advice? Yeah. So meditation is probably the number one or close to it for me. And it, um, so for me, um, I practice uh, Vipassana meditation, which is a a form of um, Buddhist meditation. But I think any form of meditation will be a good start. But it enables me to be more calm in my everyday life, to have a little bit of distance between the voice running around in my head reminding me I need to do things. Um, and then my actions. So that's sort of the first. Uh, second for me is uh, weightlifting. And I practice uh, Olympic weightlifting and a little bit of CrossFit. Um, and I've, but I've always had that as, as sort of the core of physical fitness. Um, and again, I think that um, you find something that works for you. For me, I just really enjoy weightlifting. And so uh, I'm very motivated to go back and practice and continue to to get better at it. Um, third, um, I think I'd actually come back to a productivity-related technique. Since we've already talked about Inbox Zero so much, I'll mention a different one, which is, for me, uh, a daily and a weekly review system. So I have a simple practice where uh, every week I go through and sort of organize the top items that I need to accomplish that week. And then every day I revisit that list and pull from it specific items I'm going to accomplish. And that simple level of planning, um, when I regularly practice it, and I'm probably 50-50 on actually achieving it, um, gives me clarity for the entire week in terms of what I'm focusing on, what's most important right now, and sort of drives my actions nicely. Well, those are great. And those are great coming from somebody who's trying to help you make or break habits. So uh, where is the best place for people to find out more and sign up for the courses, of course? So changecollective.com is the sort of central hub, and that'll also lead you to the app. So you can also search in the app store for Change Collective uh, and download the app and give it a try. Awesome. Well, uh, Ben, thank you so much for your time, and uh, hopefully some people will check this out and start on the path to better habits. Thanks, Ari. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing Podcast. If you want to find out more information of the show, we would love to hear from you. You can go to lessdoing.com where you can look at Ari's blog, see the show notes for this episode, and also look at all the other episodes before this. 
If you want to send us a voicemail, we'd love to hear from you and we'll play it on the show. You go to lessdoing.com, click on contact, and look on the right side of the page where you'll see a, a send voicemail button. Click on that and go ahead and record an audio message for us. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ari's Twitter handle is at Ari Mizell, and mine is at Felix Bird. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.